Over 3,000 years ago, the people of God said a prayer. This was a sacred prayer, a prayer that was memorized, that was passed down to their children, a prayer that was recited every single day. Eventually, this prayer was written down, and we have this prayer in the Old Testament. This prayer is called the Shema. It was a prayer of devotion and allegiance, a prayer of faithfulness. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4, we have the prayer. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This was a prayer that was passed down from generation to generation. It was a prayer of devotion and faithfulness, something that they would recite daily. In the midst of this uh, global pandemic, of this huge disruptive season, uh, there's people that are in all sorts of different seasons of life. Uh, some of the people that are in kind of my season of life right now, we have a bunch of young kids that are home. Uh, it's been a big adjustment. We've been uh, doing homeschooling with the kids. Um, but one of the things I keep hearing about uh, people that, that I know in our church and, and some of the other pastors that I'm connected to is that this season has been a reminder that we, as we've been home with our kids and present in our kids' life, that there's a teaching that takes place, whether it's homeschool, like uh, that, that's been happening as, as schools have been shut down, but also something about our faith in Jesus, our values, uh, the things that we hold dear about this, uh, this Jesus that we follow. This has been an incredible opportunity to, to, to teach our children. And, and that's always uh, important. It's always something that we should be doing. But even now in this season, how much more so we've been reminded um, that this is a, a calling that we have to pass down to our children what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to be in relationship with God and his goodness. And this prayer is something that has been passed down for thousands of years. It was recited daily to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. Uh, in scripture in the New Testament, as Jesus comes to earth, uh, he's asked a question by uh, an expert in the law. And the question is this, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus uses this prayer, the Shema, to answer the, this question of what's the greatest commandment? What is all of this about, this, this religion, this, this, uh, this sacred book that we have? And Jesus responds to this man's question uh, by, by quoting this prayer. He says, the most important one, the most important commandment is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And then the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. And there is no commandment greater than these. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. To love God with all of those. We've been talking over the last four weeks about this idea of loving God with heart, soul, mind, and strength. For us, this is where the goodness grows. In a world that is full of evil and uncertainty, confusion, darkness, and pain, goodness grows out of this relationship with God, this devotion that we have 
for him. Eugene Peterson, paraphrasing uh, this passage, says this. So love the Lord God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. I love that paraphrase, passion, prayer, intelligence, and energy. Today, though, today we're going to be talking about this fourth love, loving God with all of your strength, with all your strength. So what does it mean to love God with all of your strength? That's what we're going to try to uh, address today. So in, in the Shema, in this old Hebrew prayer, uh, they had a special word that uh, is, is now translated as strength. And uh, that word is, uh, is me'od. Me'od. That sounds fun. It almost sounds like an Irish word. Love God with all your me'od. Uh, me'od was actually, uh, if you translate it literally for the Hebrews, it doesn't mean strength at all. They have other words for strength. Um, me'od uh, means very or much. Me'od is actually an adverb. Now that we're uh, homeschooling right now with the stay-at-home order, uh, we, we're reminded of these old grammar rules. Do you guys remember what an adverb is? An adverb is an, it's a word that comes alongside another word to augment the meaning of the word. So it like amplifies the meaning of another word. And this word that is used, me'od, is, is a word that's an amplifier. And so we see this word in the Hebrew text in other places, like in the creation story, when God is creating the earth and you have all of these different days that he's creating, at the end of each day, what he, God would say is he would look around the creation and he would say uh, that, that, that it was good. And he does this day after day for six days. And then after that, when he's kind of like done and he's wrapping up the creation, he looks around and sees what he's done. And he says, it's mayode good. It's very good. The Bible Project has a fascinating kind of word study on this word mayode if you want to look at their website. Uh, but it's found in other places like with Cain and Abel. You know, Cain and Abel, the story of these two brothers that um, one ends up murdering the other. And it says that he's mayode angry at his brother. So meods, it's not just like a very, this is an intense word. It amplifies anger. He's meod anger and it causes him to kill his brother. Uh, the story of Noah with the great flood, it says when the flood waters come that they are meod powerful enough that the earth floods. This, this word very and much amplifies. When Saul becomes king, it says that he was meod happy. And then the Hebrews, if they really wanted to stress a word, they would use meod twice. They would say it's meod, meod, like when it talks about Jacob's wealth. He's meod, meod, wealthy, very, very wealthy. It's a word uh, that, that means kind of like muchness or veryness. Now, if you're Gen X, what you might say is that this word, it goes to 11. Or if you're a millennial, you might say, that's a hella good joke, Jared. Uh, but it, that's kind of the idea that this word mayot is an, it's an amplifier. And in the New Testament, when the people are writing the New Testament, they're writing in a different language than the Hebrew. They're writing in, in, in Greek, and they're, they're translating this Shema that is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mayot. They have to make a decision. What does love the Lord your God with all of your very or all of your muchness mean? So some of them translate this as might or power or strength. When Jesus is asked the question, uh, Jesus responds, as we read in that verse, as, as strength. But really what Jesus says is love God with all of your wealth, with all of your resources, 
But, but it's essentially this, like love God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and then with your, your muchness, like all of that and then amplified. Love God with everything that you have. It's this amplifier, this mayode. And so here's, here's kind of what, uh, uh, love, what, what Jesus is communicating is that you are to love God with your muchness, with, with everything that's in your being. It's, it's something that's physical. It's something that requires action. It's something that amplifies all of these other things that we're supposed to love God with. And loving God with all of our mayo, loving God with all of our strength, here's the first point, it manifests into every area of life. When you love God with all of your maod, it's not something you can just compartmentalize. It's, it's about your heart and your soul and your mind, but it's also about your words, your thoughts, your schedule, your relationships, your finances, your vocation. It's complete surrender to the sovereignty of God. You're loving God with everything and it affects everything that you do. You wake up in the morning and, and the thing that you're thinking in the morning is, how am I going to love God today with this day? It affects everything. It manifests, manifests itself into every area of your life when you're loving God with your mayode. There's this story that kind of represents that. And the story is found uh, in Mark as well. And it's a story about the rich man that comes to Jesus in Mark chapter 10. It says this in verse 17, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, you shall not root for the Seattle Seahawks, and you shall honor your father and mother. Then he says in verse 20, teacher, I've done all of these things since I was a boy. Verse 21, Jesus looked at him and he loved him. I love that. It, 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 Jesus is having this conversation out of compassion and love. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. And at this, at this, the man's face fell. And he went away sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, when we read that, that that's a story that makes us uncomfortable because we think, wow, do we have to sell all of our possessions to follow Jesus? And we see as Jesus interacts with different people throughout his life, this isn't always the demand that he makes that you have to just sell everything. But I think what's interesting here is that this rich man uh, was probably loving God with his mind. It all made sense. He'd been following the rules, and yet there's something that he's missing. The word for great wealth is actually muchness. There, 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 he hasn't loved God with, with all of who he is. Uh, he hasn't loved God with his mayode. And Jesus knows that. And as Jesus says, then here's what you need to do. You need to love God with your mayode. He wasn't able to do that. Every single area of his life wasn't completely just surrendered. And he leaves sad. But when we love God with our mayode, it affects everything. For some of us, uh, that causes radical changes. And, and for some of us, it's something that we're not willing to do. Jesus looks at us lovingly and he says, 
Love me with all that you are. Which leads to point number two. Loving God with all of your strength means loving God more than loving your strength. Or maybe loving God with your mayod means loving God more than your mayod. You have to love God more than just your, like, your strength. And I think for this rich uh, ruler, this young ruler, this young rich man, whatever you want to call him, uh, the young rich man loved his mayod more than he just loved God with his mayod. At another point, Jesus says, you can't love both God and money. You can love God with your money. You can love him with your mayod, with everything that you are, but you can't like compartmentalize this. Jesus is saying, love me with everything that you are. Loving God with all your strength means loving God more than your strength, more than these things that we put our pride in. We find that they become idols, uh, these things that we think that we own that end up owning us. Loving God with our mayod, with everything inside of us. The third point is this. Loving God with all of your strength creates a compelling witness in this world. When you think about how, how passion is, is something that is so uh, contagious, when you're around people that are passionate about something, that are loving something, uh, you're inspired by it. There's this old story of King Cyrus of Persia. I listen to a lot of history podcasts, but uh, K- King Cyrus of Persia, there's a story about him where he conquers this town, and he, at, after he kind of conquers the town, he, he basically captures all of these people, including the leaders. He captures the prince of the town, and the prince's wife, and the prince's children. And they come and they stand before uh, King Cyrus, and he basically says to the prince, um, if you want your freedom, what are you willing to give me? And the prince says, to get my freedom, I'd be willing to give you half of all that I own, all of my possessions, half of all of it, I'll give it to you. And, And Cyrus says, okay, if you want me to free your children, what are you willing to give me? And the prince says, well, for my children, I would give everything else that I, you have the other half, just free them. You can, you can have all of my possessions, you can have my kingdom, whatever you want, just free my children. And then King Cyrus looks at him and says, to free your wife, what would you give me? And the prince says, to free her, I would give you my life. I would trade my life for her, take it. And the old story tells us that, that King Cyrus is so inspired by this act of selfless love. This man would give everything that he has to save his family, that Cyrus lets him go, lets him go without requiring anything. There's something compelling when you see someone that is loving something with all of their might, all of their strength, all of their mayod. They're they're, they're pouring their life into something. It creates this compelling witness. And as followers of Jesus, this is something that we should, we should have this compelling witness because of the, the, the compassion that is shaped by the heart of the most compassionate, infinite being in the universe. And then the fourth point is this. Loving God with all of your strength requires understanding where your strength comes from. Understanding where your strength comes from. We've been uh, created by this God uh, who has shaped us to be in a relationship with him out of love. And we have this, we're created in the image of God, which means that we are uh, capable of, of, of this type of love for others as well. This is our source of love and strength is in our creator. We've been created to be a certain kind of person. 
But that doesn't mean that it always happens. It doesn't mean that life's easy. It doesn't mean that we always reflect the image of God in this world. And even in times when we're trying to love others, it's so easy to get exhausted, burnout, weary. But we're reminded that we have this God who gives us this kind of unlimited source of strength and love. And he fills us up as we meet with him. He is the source of our strength. And even in our weakness, he is strong. In Isaiah chapter 40, there's this great passage about uh, God being the source of our strength. And it says this in verse 28. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. The source of our strength is God. And we love because he first loved us, as 1 John 4.19 reminds us. We get this strength from him, and it's able to flow out of us. We're able to, to love God back. We, are, we receive uh, the blessings from God, and those blessings flow out of us back to him, to other people. Uh, our daughter, Lila, not Sophia, our daughter Lila is three, and she just learned how to swim. And so this last uh, week, we were able to get the floaties off, and, and for me, it's like a huge relief, like, you know, that she's at this point where she can now at least, like, you know, get in the pool and get out, be able to swim and get out of the pool. Um, but it's amazing to watch her confidence grow and how, like, she can just feel like this inner strength now that she's able to do something that she's seen the older siblings doing. She gets so excited. And the other day, she was uh, standing on the edge of the pool and was learning how to do cannonballs. And for a three-year-old, this is, like, you know, like one of the greatest things in the world to run, to jump off the pool, off the edge of the pool into the water, create a cannonball in this big splash. And we noticed that she started doing things, uh, this thing before she would jump. She would gather and like breathe and focus herself. And it was like she was like storing up her energy. And then she would scream cannonball and run and jump out into the water. And as I was thinking about that, I thought this is such a great example of loving God with all your strength, where you're just like loving God with this reckless abandon. This, this source of our strength, he fills us up with his spirit, and then we just go for it. So I want to end with this video of Lila. Here we go. Cannonball, what a great, I, I just, what a great example of, of going after something with all of your strength and all of your might. And this is my prayer for us today, as we love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, that we would do that knowing that our strength comes from God with the type of passion of Lila jumping into the pool, screaming cannonball. May us, may, may us as a church, as Desert City, as followers of Jesus, pursue God with the same type of passion and energy that we would love the Lord our God with all of our strength, all of our maod, all of our muchness, that we would love him passionately 
with every single thing that we do, that it would be a compelling witness to others, that we would know that our DNA made in the image of God is, is of one who recklessly loves. Let's pray. Lord, thanks so much for this old prayer, a prayer that's thousands and thousands of years old, but it centers us on what's most important. Lord, I just ask that this relationship that we have with you, that in this season of disruption, we would be prioritizing uh, you as we slow down, as we stop, as we deal with the uncertainty of the future, as we deal with the uncertainty of provision, as we deal with the uncertainty of health, we would be reminded, Lord, that, that we are people of resurrection, that we are people uh, that have eternity to look forward to, that we would travel through this life passionately loving you and others. Lord, let this be where the goodness grows in our city from our community as the body of Christ. Lord, we ask all of these things in your mighty name. Amen.